ESPN Plus, Disney Plus, Hulu Plus, Paramount Plus, Apple TV Plus. Aren't there enough of these pluses out there? Well, not yet. Yes, it's Lance and Matt Plus, a new podcast presented by WFOB and WBBI. Okay, now we've got enough pluses. So let's join Lance Morris and Matt Kaufman for Lance and Matt Plus. Welcome on into this edition of Lance and Matt Plus, a podcast exclusively heard on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, along with being online through WFOB and WBVI.com. I'm Lance Morris. He is Matt Cotman, and we are finally back after the longest break we've had between episodes, not because of our doing, but because, well, let's just, let's just blame technology. Is that fair? Uh, I, I always blame gremlins. That's who I blame whenever there's an issue. I say there's a little gremlin walking around. Someone at the station who will remain nameless, Tyler, probably fed it after midnight. So it, it happens. And hey, it wasn't that long. It was just, you know, we we extended our usual one week between episodes mantra by about three days. So could be worse. Could be a lot worse. We could be like, God, some some of those podcasts out there where it's like, hey, tune into our next episode and then crickets for like a month and a half. And then suddenly there's a new episode again. So. No, we we would not do that to our wonderful, valuable, beautiful, happy, healthy, amazing listeners who continue to subscribe, continue to give us the five-star ratings because, and I quote Mr. Lance Morris, as well as It's Always Sunny, we are five-star men. We are five-star men. And this is a five-star podcast. So we, we're happy to be back. I, I'm ecstatic to be back. I mean, it's... It, it, it was a little bit of a pause there, but we're back. We're good to go. The, all the gremlins have been taken care of. They are no longer fed after midnight. So uh, pitter-patter, let's get at her. Of course. Please rate, subscribe, review our podcasts on those other platforms. You can listen to this, Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify. And, of course, check out both of our websites, WFOBWBVI.com, and click and check out everything we have to offer on both of those sites as well and we of course have a great episode on tap here today our eighth episode of lance and matt plus kind of crazy that it's already our, our, eight, our eighth episode it's, it's already, already our eighth episode yeah well you know what? to be fair to be yeah. fair we have double dipped a couple times i think it was just the one week what's well, just the well we double dipped and then we did another one like really early the next week yeah so it, it was like we did three within the span of like seven or eight days, but yeah. yeah. Hey, our eighth episode, um, the studio still hasn't shut us down yet. So we haven't done anything wrong, I suppose. Um, that's great. I, I I'm excited. I, I say we could do a hundred of these, a hundred episodes that, 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 that's what I'm leaning towards. Let's definitely not count our chickens before they hatch, but of course, 200 episodes yeah exactly the nba playoffs are here we'll talk about the playoffs about the western conference plan games and we will also a little later on do our ultimate mlb draft similar to how we did our nfl draft a few weeks ago before the actual nfl draft we're gonna get right into the big part of baseball season here shortly of course really once the once the nba is done and you know, hockey is done, then really it'll truly be baseball time where they will, you know, have the, the time they have at least a little dedicated audience. But of course they do have the Olympics to deal with this year, but that's a whole, that's a whole nother can of worms on all this stuff going on throughout the rest of the year because of how wacky the sports calendar is after everything that happened in 2020. But you look, you look at the NBA playoffs, Western conference play-in games, 
Lakers taking on the Warriors. The winner there takes on the Phoenix Suns. Other play-in game, you have the Grizzlies taking on the Spurs. Winner of that one faces whoever loses between Lakers and Warriors, and then they get to face the top-seeded Utah Jazz. And aside from all those other things, it is it is almost mind-blowing to me that the Jazz are the number one seed and the Suns are the number two seed. The Suns have not been good in at least five years, and you get Chris Paul, and hey, suddenly the Suns are good. Oh, well, that that's the magic that is Christopher Paul. I mean, every place he goes to, he just makes the team better because it's, you know, how can I describe this without making it sound like I'm I'm not comparing the two, but it's the closest comparison I can come up with because we just watched it happen. It, it It's kind of a Brady effect. I mean, Brady takes one of the worst teams in the NBA directly to the Super Bowl just because he signs with them. Chris Paul was with New Orleans, made New Orleans a playoff contender, goes to the Clippers, makes the Clippers a playoff contender, goes to the Thunder, makes the Thunder go back to the playoffs in what was supposed to be a down year, goes now to Phoenix and makes what was already a very talented team absolutely dynamic because now you don't have Devin Booker pushing the ball up the floor. You have Chris Paul passing it to Devin Booker, passing it to uh, DeAndre Ayton. That's the center's name, correct? Yes. Ayton, and then um, Mikhail Bridges as well. I, I mean, it's th- this team is so ridiculously loaded with young talent. All they were really missing was that true distributor point guard which uh, for my money whenever people ask me about chris paul i'll say he is a perennial playoff guy if you have him on your team you're going to the playoffs it's just as simple as that i've never considered him to be an elite scorer and i i know while i'm saying that out loud he does get good scoring numbers i'm not suggesting he's a bad scorer by any means but the way he distributes the ball, I mean, the, honestly, the, the only comparison I can make to him as a distributor and an assist guy is John Stockton. It, it's the, the way he played just immediately makes his team better because of how he can distribute the ball. So he's, he's something else, man. And for Utah, how are you surprised? Utah was like the number three seed last year. They were the three seed a couple years ago. And be, the reason they were the three seed is because teams like Golden State, the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Spurs were just these stacked powerhouse teams. It, I, I'm not even remotely surprised that Utah is the number one seed. Maybe it's just because of the style that they can play and do play most of the time when you have when you have a traditional center in the terms you have with rudy gobert i think it's just it's oh, not so it's boring <laughs> y- yeah that's probably the that's probably the non-coded way of saying that and i mean with the suns it's it's going to be interesting because they kind of picked up a little bit from where the, what they did in the bubble last year because remember they didn't make the playoffs but they were undefeated in the bubble it doesn't make sense that you get invited to the bubble if you can go undefeated and still not make the playoffs. That part doesn't make sense. But you then add Chris Paul, you add him to what you already had with everybody else, with Devin Booker, Aiton, some of the guys we've already said. And, I mean, I'm I'm still surprised that they got that good. 
is basically probably the way I would say it because just the fact that they are the two seed when you do still have the Lakers, you have the Clippers, you have the Nuggets, and you can talk about how much injuries affected both of those teams, especially the Lakers and the Nuggets. But but you look kind of switching gears to look at the playing games. Lakers, Warriors, I mean, it doesn't as this is exactly what the NBA would have loved to see in a play-in game if you kind of gave them a blank slate of, hey, what what kind of teams would you want to see in a play-in game? Um, is there any way we could get LeBron versus Steph? Probably not, but you know, that's a pipe dream. And because of injuries, that's exactly what we're gonna get is a LeBron versus Steph. And theoretically, it's it's very it's very low probability. There is the possibility that they could play in the play-in game. And if they somehow both go on on runs, which is more likely for the Lakers and the Warriors, there is the chance that they could meet again in the Western Conference Finals. I mean... It's very low likely. Well, I, th- I thought it was an improbability because isn't it Lakers versus Warriors, whoever wins that one is going because, against Right, because whoever, whoever does that would then go against Phoenix... And but then, then Memphis and San Antonio, whoever wins that one, goes against Utah. Whoever, no, whoever wins that plays whoever loses between the Warriors and the Lakers. Gotcha. Okay. So theoretically, the Warriors can lose to the Lakers, then beat either the Spurs or Grizzlies, and then would have to take on top-seeded Utah. Fair enough. Well, I here's the I I don't think... Um, Personally, I don't think Golden State's going to make it. I I think the Lakers are going to win. And I would venture a guess that I think the Grizzlies could beat them in just a single game winner take all type of thing. That's just my opinion. I I don't think the Spurs are going to win. I think the Spurs are going to lose gracefully. We we will be seeing a bit of an end of the era here as well. I'm not entirely sure that Popovich comes back next year which just breaks my heart because he's just interviewed gold and uh, he's just such a great coach. Probably for, for my money, you have to make an argument for him right up there with Phil Jackson, uh, Red Arbach, Bill Russell as some of the best coaches in the history of the game. Um, Yeah. So for, for the Western conference, my, my money personally on the two that make it in are going to be the Lakers and the Grizzlies. Um, I'd be scared to death of the Lakers because LeBron is doing this weird, oh, this bubble and play-in tournament is an insult. and He's trying to use his motivation when last year he said it was a great thing. So <laughs> if, you, if you're trying to get LeBron motivated and hyped up, okay, so be it. That's scary for everyone else that has to play him then. But I, I don't know. There's, I'll say this much. I, I, as much as I like the Lakers – their chances there is just something about this phoenix suns team this year that that seems like this is finally the team that gives chris paul his title you know what i mean it, it's like i i can't explain it i it doesn't it doesn't necessarily make sense even in my own mind but just you watch this team you watch the way they play and i'm just like you know what this could be the team that finally gives chris paul a title He's got that elite score with him in Devin Booker. He's got a dominant big man. 
He's got a great 3 and D and perimeter defender with Bridges. Good players coming off the bench. It's like maybe this is the team that finally gives Chris Paul his NBA title. I don't know. It could very well be. But they're kind of who I'm leaning towards in the Western Conference right now. It's going to be... It's going to be very interesting, assuming the Lakers do beat the Warriors and then they have to take on the Suns. I mean, obviously LeBron and Chris Paul go way back. Oh, they're banana boat buddies. Yes, yes, they are. And for anyone that doesn't know that story, like Chris Paul, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade. I don't think Chris Bosh was part. Was Chris Bosh part of that one as well? No, he was not. Okay, but it was like a couple other players when they were doing the Team USA stuff for the men's national basketball team. They they all took this famous picture together on one of those banana boats that like the jet ski pulls around out in the ocean. And since since then, all of them have been on teams together, except LeBron and Chris Paul. That, that that's the crate, and they're like the two closest of friends out of everyone in those pictures that that's so weird to me that they have not been on the same team yet so there is is still a chance with that happening you know a little later on in their careers as they both do do age but that maybe both of them come to cleveland when lebron james jr is drafted by the cavaliers wink wink oh dear lord other postseason matchups you got (laughs) the knicks and the hawks in the east you have the bucks in the heat Sixers waiting to play either the Wizards or the Pacers, and the Nets will take on the Celtics. And in the West, you have Clippers versus Mavericks, Nuggets, Blazers, and then Jazz and Suns each wait their play-in winners to see who they will end end up playing. Uh, what uh, what matchup or matchups of those playoff first rounds? What uh, what intrigues you the most? Well, the one that intrigues me the most in the Eastern Conference is whoever ends up playing the trash organization and trash team known as the Brooklyn Nets because they're well, a trash it, it, organization. It is, the, the, it is the Celtics. Okay, so the Celtics. So it is a trash team and a trash organization with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I, here's the thing. They wasted all this money building a super team. Wasted this money wasted all this draft capital wasted all this depth building the super team and they only got eight games out of the super team that's it eight games for Kyrie Irving and whatever new reason he has to step away from basketball this particular week Kevin Durant counting his mercenary rings as he continues to hate on people who call him out on that on Twitter and and then James Harden the pained artist of a pained soul of a scorer who is just a pain to watch half the time versus a Celtics team that doesn't have the superstar on it like they used to in the past I mean the Celtics they're really the ones that started this whole mess of these super teams with Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce of creating these big threes. They've just drafted their big three with the one big free agent being Kemba Walker. The the rest of it, I mean, they had Gordon Hayward. He's gone. Replaced with Jalen Brown, who's now out for injury, but Jason Tatum just had the game of his life to beat Washington and, in particular, to beat 
Russell Westbrook. Team is talented. They got good young players. And it's just the Brooklyn Nets. They always blow it. So it's a team outside of, honestly, Kyrie Irving, if his head's on straight for that particular game, and Kevin Durant, who needed to go to Golden State to get his two rings, it's a team that collectively has nothing but playoff screw-ups on their resume. So that's what I'm curious about because Boston's a good team. Boston's a talented team. Brooklyn's a trash organization, trash team, but on paper, they're very good. So that, that that's probably the one I'm looking forward to the most in the Eastern Conference and in the West, uh, kind of already touched on it. It's wh- whoever gets to play against Phoenix. I, I want to see if Phoenix is the real deal. And I'll be very fascinated to also watch uh, Portland and Dallas. Uh, I, I'm, I'm so excited that my favorite point guard, the NBA, Damian Lillard, is back in the postseason. I'm personally calling for it to be a Phoenix Suns, Portland Trailblazers, Western Conference final. I think that would just be incredible. I don't know how it could play out that way, but I'd love to see that happen. And Luka making the postseason. It's going to be great. It's going to be some great games overall. I think there's a lot of talent in the Western Conference. And personally, I, I say this with a lot of respect to the Eastern Conference because, I mean, I'm a Cleveland fan. I'm a Cavs fan. I have rooted for teams like the Raptors in the past. I, I am not opposed to the Milwaukee Bucks. But uh, I, I really think whoever wins the Western Conference is winning the NBA title this year because C- the West is just so much more talented and so much more competitive than the Eastern conferences. So for me, the matchups that intrigue me the most are two that we saw a season ago in the postseason, with the bucks taking on the heat. Obviously it was a big deal last year when the heat knock out the bucks, they end up going all the way to the NBA title. And with they, what they were able to do against Giannis in particular with how Bam and company were able to guard him. And if they can, if they can muster that up again, obviously that's going to be difficult, but with the way the Bucks have been redesigned with the offseason adding, you know, the likes of Drew Holiday, it's going to going to make that a much more interesting matchup I think this time around and then Clippers Clippers Mavericks, another another matchup from last year with, you know, we had the big buzzer beater from Luka that was obviously awesome, but then after that team and him kind of ran out of gas along with Porzingis not being healthy. So if they can find a way to kind of in the similar spot, you're going up against Kawhi, you're going up against Paul George, if you're going to have enough to try and get by them. Because obviously we know Luke is great, but what can the rest of the Mavericks team beside him, what can what can they bring to the table? Uh, yeah, that's a good point. And, and I'll tell you what, the one team that I, I didn't mention them a moment ago, but I'm just kind of happy to see them doing good. I don't know why, but it's, it's weird that I want to see them doing good. It is the New York Knicks. I, like, I'm really just genuinely impressed with them as a team because you look at this roster. I mean, I'm just pulling it up right now. I, I mean, besides R.J. Barrett and besides R.J. Barrett and Knox, the, the rest of this lineup is literally just people that nobody else wanted 
Like, this is such an also-ran lineup. I mean, you have Alex Burke, Alec Burke, Taj Gibson, Nerlens Noel, um, Alfred Payton, Emmanuel Quickly, Julius Randle. Julius Randle is the biggest nobody's wanted this guy for years, and he's put in an almost MVP-level performance this year. Derrick Rose is it's that th- this team is a- almost like an island of misfit toys and somehow they're the fourth ranked team in the east I'm just I'm really happy for a lot of these guys it's nice to see them finally turn it around for some of the people on this roster you know yeah a lot of a lot of that I think can be attributed to the rising play of a guy like Julius Randall RJ Barrett continuing to develop as a young guy in the league but I think it's it's finally a good situation for Tom Thibodeau that he finally gets into after obviously doing some great things with Chicago, tried to tried to get Minnesota over the hump, wasn't really able to do so in his limited time there and has, you know, been given, given, you know, the access to do so in New York and, you know, got some of his guys and obviously has history with Derek Rose, has history with Taj Gibson, and he's able, able to get them to, to not only in the playoffs, but in, in a, in the playoffs, hosting as the four seed i mean that's and i saw that tickets to get in msg for for that game one were uh were not easy to acquire uh no it's i i think you'd have a better chance of making it on like a marvel studio set unknown to marvel with how secretive they are before trying to find a ticket to the Knicks game i mean it's it, it's incredible how pricey those are and a little side note before we get into the rest of this and get into our mlb draft Million dollar question for you, Mr. Lance Morris. Okay. Because I will confess here on this program, you know more about basketball than I do. Thank you. Just do. Yes. Like by a comfortable margin. Derek Rose, Hall of Famer, yes or no? Absolutely. Absolutely a Hall of Famer. Youngest MVP in the league. Okay, so besides his one MVP. Can you build a case without that just just the MVP award? With how he was been, has been able to basically rebrand himself post-injury to where he did struggle, you know, to kind of find a landing spot. This is this is his second time in New York. This is not his first stint with Correct. the Knicks. He's been he's been with the Timberwolves, he's been with the Pistons, he obviously had been with the Bulls before that. But the way he's able to rebrand himself and become a rotation guy, become a guy that has gone off in in Minnesota, he went off for 50 points one night. It's not that he's devoid of talent. It's the fact that he was able to finally kind of turn the corner, so to speak, from having those bad injuries that, you know, held him back for years and years, particularly in Chicago and then for you know, some of his other stops. And I don't think, I don't think you can write the history of his career without saying, yeah, he won an MVP. I mean, yeah. Winning an MVP in and of itself hard did it at the youngest age anyone else has ever had. And while LeBron James is in his prime and you can, you can debate whether or not he should have won the award, but he did. And it was while LeBron was in his prime and he he did that and he was competitive with him in the playoffs too. I mean, yeah, his bulls teams lost to those Cavs teams, but they put up a fight. They certainly put up a fight. I would agree. Uh, uh, that's why I asked. Cause I, I, I'm one of those people that 
I really feel a lot of the MVP awards that have occurred over the years while LeBron James has been in the league is simply because the NBA doesn't want to keep giving it to LeBron James. You, you could make a compelling argument, I would actually say, every year for LeBron James to actually be the MVP of the league. And that is me including his stint with the Miami Heat. Ugh. Yeah. Um, but it, that's just how it is. He's just that talented. But you look at Derrick Rose. I mean, my goodness, this year, he, thir- 32, his, what, 14th year in the league now or something like that? Something crazy? First pick in 08? Yeah, so 13th year, excuse me. 13th year after having one year completely gone because of surgery, other years gone because they just weren't healthy overall. Averaging nearly 15 points a game for this Knicks team after he was great with Minnesota for a short period of time that he was there after he was great with Detroit when he got there. And honestly, just to call it as this after he was pretty good in Cleveland too, for his limited time that he was there. So yeah, I, I I'm with you. That's why I wanted to ask. I think he's a hall of famer. No doubt. I want a, I want a much smarter basketball brains perspective on it as well. And speaking of the things I think, I also think, and I, I say this just because we also haven't mentioned this team. I thought I smelled smoke. <laughs> that the the top-seeded Sixers, they got themselves a pretty easy road as far as being, I mean, yeah, it, it helps when you are the top seed. But because of that, they'll play either the Wizards or the Pacers, depending on who wins their extra playing game. And both the Wizards and the Pacers have their shares of injuries going on. And then, assuming they can get past whoever they play in the opening round, they'll take on either the Knicks or the Hawks. And either of those teams, if they make it out of the first round, they will be so happy they made it out of the first round. Not that they won't care in the second round, but it's going to be like, well, we made it to the second round. It's cool. And they're going to run into the Sixers, and then they'll face whoever's left. I th- I would be very surprised if they don't at least make the Eastern Conference title. Here's what I'll say about the Sixers. Because I, I, I like them. I, I like what they've done. I, I've liked the development we've seen from Ben Simmons. The boy still can't hit a three-pointer if his life depended on it. But it's just its one of the weirdest quirks in basketball. It's like John Lester never throwing to first base. It's just a weird yip that a player has at this stage of his career. But I'll say that I do like the Sixers. I think they are a good team. I think they're a very talented team. Having said that, though, when I look at this Philadelphia 76ers squad, it's not a knock against them at all. I think they're very talented. I don't think they get out of the first round. What? Yeah. Uh, Again, it's... I, I'm looking at them. I see that this is a good team. They are the number one seed. Joel Embiid has given a near MVP performance, if not an MVP performance this year. I mean, re- really, the MVP is between him, um, Nokic out in. Jokic, that's a fine. Was, how do you say his name? Jokic. Jokic. I'm sorry. I was off by one syllable. Don't find me, bro. Good Lord. $2. <laughs> I'm not giving you any money. It's I, I don't know why you think you can tell me that I need to give you money. But, but between Jokic, 
Embiid, Curry, and LeBron for the MVP again this year. I I think in all sincerity, if the Wizards get out of this play-in tournament, which is a big if right now, they got they got to win. That they they got to beat Charlotte or yeah, they got to beat Charlotte at this point, don't they? Oh no, Indiana. I'm sorry, yeah, Indiana. Pacers. They they, they got to beat the Pacers at this stage. I think they could beat the Pacers, and there is nothing in this world besides maybe LeBron James, I trust more in a postseason than Russell Westbrook. And Russell Westbrook plus Bradley Beal is, for me, I think it might be too much of a hill for Philadelphia to overcome. That That's, that's my two cents on it. I know it sounds crazy. I know it's a, but Matt, they're a number one seed. I get that. Russell Westbrook's averaging 12 assists a game. Bradley Beal is almost at 32 points. Brooke Lopez is having a good season overall. Russell what Russell Westbrook nearly, I, I believe he did average a triple-double again for his season at this point. So I'm looking at a stat line right now. Rebounds per game, he was 11.5. Assists per game, he was 11.7. And he averaged 22 points again. Russell Westbrook just did something no one else in the history of the NBA has done. Multiple years of averaging a triple-double for his season. And it, it took a legendary performance from Jason Tatum just to win by 18 against Washington the other night. So I view that as... Okay, Celtics, they did good. I think they're a good team. I think they'll be competitive. And they're definitely a team that I would pay attention to in the postseason. For Washington, though, now you got an angry Russell Westbrook. That's like getting an angry Jimmy Butler or angry LeBron James. We're about to see some things happen. We're, we're going to see some stuff go down with this. So I, I really think... If Washington comes out of this play-in tournament, I'd be terrified if I'm the 76ers. Well, we don't exactly see eye to eye on that, but it's okay when we disagree sometimes. <laughs> uh, so now... you're, you're that confident that the Sixers will make it to the Eastern Conference Finals? Yes. Really? Yes. Absolutely. I, I mean, here's the thing. I don't, I don't disagree with you that they can do it. I, I will say this much. If it is if it's Indiana, they're absolutely making it to the Eastern Conference Conference Finals. There, there's no game. I, I view this as one of those matchup nightmares for the 76ers, more so than anything else, where it's like if it ends up being Washington, they're in trouble. They're just, they're just going to have Ben Simmons guard Westbrook. I don't that, – that's going to limit him. No, Ben Simmons is going to watch Russell Westbrook and kind of babysit him People don't guard Russell Westbrook. I don't think you know how good of a defender Ben Simmons is. No, he's a very good defender. I'm not suggesting he isn't. I am suggesting that Russell Westbrook is one of the elite players to ever play the game in the NBA. And I don't think Ben Simmons will be able to slow him down as much as you think because they also need to slow down Bradley Beal. 
Yep. So Bradley Beal is also not a hundred percent. He's not a hundred percent, but he it, he can still catch and shoot better than probably anybody in the league right now. I don't need Bradley Beal to be a hundred percent. I need Bradley Beal just to be a hundred percent from the floor, and that's not an outrageous thing to have happen with Bradley Beal. Oh well, I'm just I'm just saying I, I, I'm just saying if it's anyone besides Washington, I agree with you 100%. Philadelphia is in the Eastern Conference Finals. They're a talented team. They got great players. Obviously, with Doc Rivers there, great coach, great organization. I'm not disagreeing with that whatsoever. I just, for my money, if you're going to do a best of seven series and it's Washington versus Philly, I give Washington a four three edge in that one just because of Russell Westbrook. Okay, well, like I said, sometimes we don't we don't agree, but that uh, that makes for sometimes more interesting content. But now let's let's switch gears. Let's go to our ultimate MLB modern draft. We will each draft a full squad catcher, first base, second base, third base, shortstop, left fielder, center fielder, right fielder, a DH, a five man pitching rotation, five bullpen guys, plus a manager. So these are all. These are all guys I saw at least a chunk of their career. So your list will be a little different than mine because of that, because of being a little older than me and because I'm 12. Okay, first of all, I don't sound like I'm 12. You just did, so. Well, I mean, I did there because I was making fun of you, making fun of me, sir. But, uh, okay. Now, I will say full disclosure, I'm very confident I'm going to lose this one because evidently people on Twitter hate everything that I'm pulled <laughs> on besides the cereal thing. And that's just because you committed like practically a war crime by not having Cinnamon Toast Crunch on yours. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, all right. That makes sense. So, and man, we're, we're hitting the ground running for today's episode, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. Go, go, go 10 days and we're doing the marathon <laughs> show. I love it. So, because you struggle so much, you want the first pick? Will that help you? Uh, yeah, actually, that would really, really benefit. Cause I, I feel I need at least one slam dunk. I, I, I like some of the players I'm going to pick, but I, I would love number one. And we are limited to people that we've seen play live, like in our lifetimes, correct? We're not trying to go... Yes. history of the game yeah. yes if if we were going history of the game it would be a lot of guys that played way 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 too early and this so. would be seven hours long and we draft five teams each yeah <laughs> that too. just let's just call it as it okay so people that i have seen play i've been able to watch on tv play. okay i got it i got the parameters here okay are you are not ready i i am ready with the first pick Team Matt selects Mike Trout. First overall. Yep. Look at you. I, I, I would make a compelling argument that Mike Trout is, in fact, going to be the GOAT by the time his career is done. Yeah, it's... It's 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 so interesting with him just because of of the time he's come up in and because he's not, you know, a guy that's like out there look at me like some of these other players we've had over history. Mm-hmm. And if he comes around in like if he's like a player in the 90s, he's like the biggest 
athlete in the world. Correct. But because of the day and age we are with baseball and the personality he has, he's he's almost like unnoticed just in general, like by the general population. Yeah, I would say he's he's unnoticed by the fans, but the amount of times he's either been runner up or the actual MVP baseball notices, which oh, yeah. is important. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would actually say if there's a comparison like for players in history for him, not just in baseball, but in sports, he's Tim Duncan. He's absolutely Tim Duncan of Major League Baseball, where it's I'm not doing anything flashy. I'm just playing every aspect of the game very well and just doing my job. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so Mike now, Trout. So, yeah, Mike Trout will be our first overall pick. And now for my first overall pick. I could give a crap what you say about him as far as steroids go, because it's pretty true, even though I will never say it is. Might not be the nicest human being, but damn, could he hit a baseball? And that would be one Barry Bonds. I have no notes because here's the thing when it comes to Barry Bonds, I view it as with Barry Bonds. If you stop his career in Pittsburgh or stop his career in 99 before he started, you know, taking B12 that suddenly made him gain 40 pounds of muscle. um, He's still a hall of famer. That, that that's probably the saddest thing about so many of these players that got busted for steroids is that they still would have been hall of famers without them. Like, as, especially when it comes to mind for me is bonds. And then obviously Roger Clemens is the next name that comes to mind. It's like you guys would have made it even without the juice. But I agree with you. I mean, here's the thing. He was probably good for about, uh, out of his 700 home runs, I'd make a solid argument that close to 500 of them were him natural before he started juicing himself like crazy. So, yeah, that's a good pick. I I have no notes on that one. So, I guess that means it's my turn then. I guess so. All right. Oh, then I absolutely know who I'm going with. Hit me. I am going to go with arguably the most natural player of your or I's generation with my second pick team. Matt selects Kenneth Griffey jr. Hi, this is Ken Griffey jr. Let's play major league baseball. If you didn't take him, I absolutely would. I love Griffey. It's, I mean, here's like I had legitimate thoughts. Like I was panicking when I took Mike Trout internally. So I'm like, oh my god, what if he takes Griffey at number two? What if he takes Griffey at two? <laughs> so I'm really happy he was there. I, I'm. He was just so fun to watch, wasn't he? Oh, I mean, I mean, the, and it's a shame how much the injury bug did hit him. Because even with all the injuries, he still hit 600 plus home runs. Yeah. Well, and that's it. Even with the injuries, he's fourth all time in home runs. 
I mean, he, he was just so God bless and talented. I, I mean, and he was just cool. You know, he, Ken Griffey the backwards Jr. Hat. The backwards hat, the bubble gum, the hitting a home run on the same team as his dad and the same day his dad hits a home run. The doing the slow walk off every time he hit the home run by laying the bat. The, the dude was just cool. Like we, we, I argue that for Mike Trout, he probably could go down as one of the goats of all time for major league baseball. I mean, Ken Griffey jr. He's gotta be on most people's rush Moors as well. You know, I mean, he just has to be. Yeah, absolutely. No, no disagreement so, there. Yeah, no. So yeah, Ken, Ken, Griff, I am loving my outfield right now. <laughs> this is just a stacked outfield. With my next pick. I will go with the man. We did not see all of his career in the major leagues, but damn, if when he got here, he didn't pop off, then I don't know what I'm talking about. I will go with one Ichiro Suzuki. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Ichiro. Ichiro is a next level hitter. Ichiro. If he want, it's almost like he had the ability. He, if he wanted to, could have led the league in home runs. He could have. He really could have. It just wasn't his game. So he didn't. Look at, look at, look at, there, there are legendary stories about his BP. Legendary. And yes, it's BP and it doesn't truly count, but there are legendary stories about what he would do in BP. True. I, I, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, just because it's the legendary stories, I mean, there's a little bit of man versus myth at that stage with some of those. So but for he, me, it, it, I, it, even, even, even without that, Combined, he has the most hits ever in major at the highest level of baseball. Oh, yeah. Well, what I was going to say is if you're asking me who I would want to have as a hitter out of this modern era, it's Ichiro, and it's not even close. If I have Ichiro Suzuki as the number one in my lineup leading off, I know I have a runner on first or second every time to start the game and every time to start the line. Ichiro is the best pure hitter that we have seen now where, where I was going to make a slight counter with that one. I don't know if he'd lead the league in home runs, but homeboy would definitely be in the top five. Cause his swing was so natural. If he wanted to swing for power, he could have swung for power. Just as simple as that. And with the way he's swung, even if it wasn't like a true base hit, he's already like halfway to first. Yeah. It's so th- that's what I'm saying. It's like, he, he would still, it, he he could very easily be a top five in home runs, and he was just such a talented hitter. That that that's a great pick. That that is an absolutely dynamite pick. My goodness. Okay. Okay. That that that's that's a good one. All right. Well, I am ready for my next pick, and it's going to be a little bit of a wild card. Hit me. With my third pick in the draft. And I can totally get away with this because he actually did play third base for like the first couple years of his career. 
Team Matt takes as his third baseman, Jim Tomey. I mean, when I was a kid, I loved Jim Tomey. He would. Like, if you look at just the pantheon of the cool guys, it was Tomey, Griffey. I mean, maybe throw Larry Walker in there from the Rockies. Um, Sosa as well, before he found the corked bat. Uh, <laughs> before the corked bat situation. How did he not know that was a corked bat? <laughs> I, I mean, the thing looked like a rubber mallet underneath his hands for the stopper on that bat. Like, you could tell that. Uh, anyway, that's not important. But, yeah, Jim Tomey, I mean as a Cleveland fan and as a Cleveland native, I mean, the, the, the list of things I've seen him do live in person as a baseball fan is just too much to register. Um, uh, sadly, I am not one of those people that gets to say the cool things of, Oh, I was there for like his 500 foot moonshot <laughs> that he had the center field. I wasn't, I watched it live on TV, but I wasn't there in person for it. Um, I was there for his, return game when he came back after all those years and oh my the place went ape when he showed up again i mean it was just so cool to see him there and to see him come back so it's yeah jim tomey as my third baseman Uh, i'm i'm playing a long game here with my first base position because i'm not going to say who i'm going with but i feel safe that he'll be around for a little bit more yeah, no arguments for me on Tommy, but it's because he's like he's like a little a little old for me. Like I he grew I when I grew up, he was like in his prime kind of when I was really young. So like I see stories and some of like the other old pictures of him, like when he's like drafted. Dude was a twig before. He was a twig like coming out of college. Like it's insane. Oh yeah, he 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 was a he was a beanpole. If that. And I, I, my brain had just been so used to, not that he was like that big, but he was like a pretty, pretty big guy. And then I just see pictures of him from when he was young and I'm like, that, that's the same person? Oh yeah, he was a twig. I mean, it's, and here's the thing. I can argue with Jim Tomey that it probably was not steroids. Cause if you look at him today, he's still huge. Yeah. So it's he he's like still a fairly massive human being from when he came into the league. So I I know there had been some rumors, a little bit of circulation about possibly him being on steroids. You look at some of the other guys in baseball who have just like deflated since they've left the league. Tommy hasn't. So I'm pretty comfortable saying that he probably did it the old fashioned way. With my next pick. He has been kind of uh he's been kind of dragged lately at the later parts of his career. But when he was in St. Louis, he was an absolute dog, Albert Pujols. I have absolutely no argument with Albert Pujols. Uh, the the level of player he was in his prime and worth noting for all parties involved, his prime was almost a decade. Yeah. I mean, most people's prime is like three to four years. Albert Pujols was a, 
decade his, of a prime. His 10 years in St. Louis and for a little bit really in LA before it kind of dropped off, he I mean his numbers are like maybe I'm sure Trout has or is going to pass him, but his numbers through 10 years were absolutely astronomical. His his WAR average was absurd. Like like he Albert Pujols how good he was is the reason things like the war at like wins after I forget what the R wins after for. replacement. Thank you. Wins after replacement. He, he's the reason that metric and that stat has really come on strong over the years because he was so absurdly talented when he was in St. Louis. And honestly, even for the first, I I'd argue the first three years that he was in LA, he was still good. He was, he, the annual MVP contender that he was when he was with St. Louis. Okay. No, but I'd still say he was a top three or four first baseman in major league baseball at that point, And at least a top five hitter for the first couple years, maybe that changed towards the back end, but yeah, no, he out. God, Albert Pujols was incredible. It that, is, it is insane to me. And it, it didn't work out for a myriad of reasons, but at one point the angels had Pujols, Trout, yep, and Josh Hamilton. Yeah. We want to talk about what ifs. Josh Hamilton's the top of that list. Jo- Josh Hamilton will forever be him and Delman Young will forever be near the top of a what if list. It's just as simple as that. Oh man. Whew. Okay. Well, you you went first. You already went first baseman, so I I can definitely sit on my first baseman for a few rounds here. So where do I want to go next? Where do I want to go next? Um. Okay, I know where I'm going. Hit me. I am heading back to the outfield. Going back out there. We talk about hitters. We talk about home run hitters, people that hit for power, people that hit for speed, people that hit for a percentage. And this guy's name always seems to be forgotten. But I really think you can make an argument that he was one of the 10 best players in baseball in his prime. Going with Vladimir Guerrero. Yeah, he's another guy. I mean because of the era for him like if he comes around just a little earlier like not by much because he played like throughout the late like he came in late 90s early 2000s yeah but if he comes in just like maybe a tad before that oh my gosh because and and it part of it's the language barrier but he would hit balls the way nobody else could because he would swing at bad pitches and still take him yard yep yeah, I, I mean, when you look at Vlad Guerrero, again, I know he he kind of gets dismissed nowadays, and it doesn't help matters much that his son is now playing, and he's playing in Toronto where he was a star. It's the, the way I view Vladimir Guerrero, if he came out in like 1991, Oh my God. Could you imagine him on some of those teams in that, like in the era of Tony Gwynn, Kirby Puckett, um, 
not not for the reasons he's in the news nowadays because it turns out he's a horrible human being but can't deny he was a great percentage hitter guys like Robbie Alomar or Nomar Garcia Parra I, I mean god Vladimir Guerrero would have fit like a glove in that era yeah and great outfielder the dude had a howitzer for an oh arm yeah that too. in right field I, I mean sweet god how many people did we see him throw out from like the warning track up there in Toronto over yeah. the years. So yeah, Vlad Guerrero. I love, oh my God, my outfield's amazing. <laughs> Mike Trout, Ken Griffey Jr. and Vladimir Guerrero. I couldn't, I wouldn't need to draft anybody else. I'm done. <laughs> so with my next pick. Another guy that you will go back to where they started their career at this position, didn't necessarily end it at that position, but another guy that is still is still in baseball despite his struggles over these last handful of years, Miguel Cabrera. I mean, the fact that I got to wait this long to get Miguel Cabrera, who's one of my favorite players of all time, is I mean, he you you can't talk about the last fifteen ish years or whatever without talking about how he has developed into a hitter. He, he's the only guy, I think, still sit to hit for the Triple Crown since since he did in 2011 or 2012, whichever year it was, because in that year, that was the first year where Mike Trout was coming up. And I'm like, get out of here with this Mike Trout. M- Miggy's the best. And and then Trout then goes on to be dominant after that because, you know, of course he does. But, <laughs> uh, but, 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 but being able to have him on my team – the way I did with almost his entire career, aside from his start with the Marlins. But it this is this is funny story, true story. When the Tigers traded for Miguel Cabrera, they also acquired another player. Do you remember who else they acquired? Oh it wasn't Verlander, was it? No. They drafted no. Verlander. They drafted Verlander? Okay. You know, uh, for not Mark Burley. I know no. that much because Burley went to the... It is a left-handed pitcher. It is a left-handed pitcher? Okay. I'm not going to lie. I- I'm I'm drawing a blank on this one. They also acquired one at before then was electric. Dontrell Willis. Oh, my God. The Tigers got Dontrell Willis and Miguel Cabrera. And Cabrera in that trade, yes. Uh, now, here's the crazy part of that. If I'm remembering that trade correctly... Wasn't Cabrera thrown in? No, he was definitely or, not thrown in. What was was he the guy in that trade? No, he was, Willis he, was the one that got thrown in. No, yeah. If anything, Willis was more the guy that got thrown in. Well, here's the thing. Miguel Cabrera's been with Detroit so long, I don't necessarily remember his time in um in Miami as as a Marlin. I don't remember that well. So I don't I didn't recall if he was already a complete stud of a hitter like so he, he i mean so he was he was young when he was still got i mean he was he was 19 when he broke onto the marlins that year because it was the year they went on to win the world series yeah but so there's so two things one the end of my story at the time so keep in mind i would have been like 10 or 11 when they okay. made that when they made that trade i was more excited for don Tra willis than i was for miguel cabrera <laughs> well don, don Tra willis he was fun to watch when he was in his prime yeah for, the, he for those for those handful fun. of years when he was a Cy Young Award winner, yeah, he was awesome. Yeah, I I mean, I'll I'll give you that one. I mean, hindsight being twenty twenty, yeah, it's definitely you're more excited about Miguel Cabrera in the long run. But 
yeah, he was really fun to watch. I, I don't blame you on that one. But funny, so like funny story, like you hear some of these different things about like athletes and the possible disconnect, whether it's because they're a foreign player or just a lack of information, whatever it could be. There's a lot of different reasons it could happen. But in the World Series, Miguel Cabrera hits a home run off of Roger Clemens. Yeah, I remember that. He had no idea that that was, like, significant because he didn't know who Roger Clemens was. Well, (laughs) so it's like, oh, why is it a big deal? Why is it a big deal? That's Roger Clemens, man. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like, you don't hit it off of Roger Clemens. (laughs) Opposite off of Roger. I'm pretty sure it was an opposite field home run. Off oh, of Roger no, I Clemens. remember the home run. He he went opposite field on Roger Clemens, which is like, you don't do that. <laughs> you just defied the, the, you went against the rules. Why did you go against the rules? <laughs> oh man, that that's a good pick. Miguel Cabrera, that's a really solid pick. Now you played him DH or first base? No, he's going to play third. Oh, you're putting him at third? Yeah. Smart. Smart, 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 smart. Okay. Well, I'm ready. I, I need another hitter because clearly I don't have enough hitting on my roster already. I only have three 600 home run hitters. Uh, let's go for another one. I'm ready. With my next pick, I am going DH. It kills me to say it, but I'm going big poppy. David Ortiz. I mean, if if nothing else, just his postseason numbers. His mm-hmm. postseason numbers could tell you all you need to know. Exactly. And it's, you, you talk about, I mean, we talked about some players that just came on so strong or what if. You got to remember, David Ortiz was a throwaway player when he was in Minnesota. Oh, yeah. He, what, he, what, he, he was nothing. What he did with his career, turning it around like he did and becoming just this absolute legendary hitter it is remarkable. And he's another one of those guys. Yes, he came up in the Mitchell report. Can, can Has it ever been confirmed that he was busted for steroids? No, because he never tested positive. So we don't have a definitive way to know. But But by the same token... He aged gracefully. That, that that I've I view how a player ages is really the testament to whether or not this was a guy that was on the juice or not. And for him, he naturally declined. He just did. He had a good natural decline to his career. But my God, when he was at the top of his game, whoo, whoo. I, I, there, there's few people in this world I would have wanted to pitch to less <laughs> than him. Just even, even in the so obviously he made the most of his opportunities, particularly against like the Yankees in 04. Those are those yes, are the, those are the big those are the big <laughs> moments that are like the top of the memories for him. But even, even for me as a Tigers fan, when we played him in like 2013 or something, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Whenever he came up, I would just be like, oh no. Oh no. And then he would hit another clutch hit cuz that was what he did. Yeah, and and that's for me that's what made him so special as a player because that that was every non-Boston fan's reaction to David Ortiz anytime after the 6th inning coming up to the plate just like, "Oh god, what's going to happen now?" 
and then you're not even looking you just hear the crack of the bat and it's like ah oh, crap it's gone <laughs> by the time you look up he's rounding second doing his big poppy like full arm circle wave celebrating it's just like yep i could have seen that one coming it's a, such a talented player so good so much fun to watch yeah big big poppy is my dh all day every day So because of you taking Big Poppy, it made me have to shift my focus a little bit because I was hoping I could get him later. So because of that, I will shift Miguel Cabrera over to my designated hitter spot, which is probably better for my defensive infield anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say – I wasn't going to say anymore, but yes. You got you got Jim Tomey at third. I don't want to hear it. Jim but, Tomey can catch at least. Well, we'll see. Anyway, with my pick, I will go over to third base once again. And it pains me to say this because this is not a team and not a player I was a fan of, but damn, was he good. And he's still in the limelight today as, as an announcer. Chipper Jones. You know what? You forgot about Chipper Jones, didn't you? I totally forgot about Chipper Jones. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing. It's it's not like, a oh, my God, I can't. It's he, he was a very good player for so many years, but even though he was a good player for so many years, he was never the star attraction in Atlanta. Oh, yeah, because of, of how good their pitching was. Well, because either their pitching was great or they had Fred McGriff and then they had Andrew Jones. It was he, he was never the star. God, that, that's a good pick. That's a really good pick. It's also making me think of the Braves roster now from the nineties. <laughs> so it's, I am pretty sure I know where two of my pitchers are coming from at least at this point, but yeah, that that's a really solid pick. That's a good one for third base gold glove winner, MVP candidate. And he he's in the hall already, isn't he? Um, is is sure. he in at this point? I thought he got in already. I think he is. If he's yeah. not, if he's not, he'll be in soon. Yeah, it's it's one of those if he's not in yet he will be type yeah. of deals. But okay. That that's a good pick. That's a really good pick. You know we're doing the same thing we've done every time we've done these ultimate drafts where it's like, "Oh wow, yeah, that's a good pick." We completely change our draft strategy and it's we're just going <laughs> back and forth based on whatever position the other guy picks then. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. All right. So, I'm ready. I I I I'm I I know where I want to go with my Next pick. This one does not pain me at all to pick this because he is arguably one of the three best second basemen in the history of the game. Craig Biggio. You know, it's funny that uh, you pick... Craig Biggio, you also pick pick Vlad, Vlad, Vlad if I can get my words out, Vlad Guerrero. Both, and their kids are teammates. And, and both of their kids are teammates on the Blue Jays, yes. <laughs> their kids are teammates on the Blue Jays. I know. That's great. And they're both good. Yeah. B Biggio's kid is really, really good as well. I mean, it's it, Father's Day has got to be super fun in Toronto because <laughs> you have Vlad Guerrero. And they, ha and they have Biggio. and they have Bo Bichette. They do. <laughs> they do. Good God. Yeah. 
Did, is, is Toronto like playing a long game here, like trying to get everybody's next generation of players? <laughs> Basically. So, so like wh- when all of a sudden we see like Javier Martinez be their first overall pick as a pitcher, it's like, oh, it's Pedro Martinez's kid. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, who's who's their second round pick? Gary Clemens Jr. Well, it's um, Al Leiter's kid is at Vanderbilt right now, and he's projected to be a top pick here in the next few years. It, isn't he projected to be like, I think they have him as a first round grade this year. Yeah. Right now. Is it this? It might be this year already. I'm not sure, but I know well, I've heard I, about him. He He's just been lights out in at Vanderbilt though. I mean, he, he's been, he's been something special at Vanderbilt, but yeah, I, I didn't even, I didn't even make that connection initially, but that's right. Biggio and Guerrero's kids are teammates and Bichette. Uh, that that's Gary Bichette's kid, right? Yes. My God. Okay. The, I'll say this before I get to we get to your next pick. It's a little concerning that I remember seeing these players when they were young players and then go through and progress in their career, and now their kids are in the major leagues. Yeah, it, it was like this year for the NFL draft with like Asante Samuel Jr., Patrick Sertan Jr. It's like part of my life. She's like, damn, I remember watching your dads. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm pretty sure some my dad is. <clears throat> excuse me, he's a huge Dolphins fan. I'm pretty sure somewhere in this house is a Patrick Sertan jersey right now <laughs> from the Dolphins. So it's like, oh my God, I'm old. These are, I watched your dad play, man. Like in person, I watched your dad play. <laughs> Good Lord. All right. That, that, I, I, I'm old and, you know, death is clearly coming for me at this stage. I'm on the back nine of my career already. <laughs> so go ahead with your next pick. With my next pick. We've kind of beat around the bush on this guy, but you cannot deny the numbers he put up across his career, earning as much money as he did in his career. And he's, of course, stayed in the spotlight after famously dating J-Lo. Alex Rodriguez. You can't deny how good he was. I don't care. I don't care if he was on, on steroids or not. He was really, really good at baseball. Here's the, I, I want to be mad at it because I just don't like Alex Rodriguez. But you look at but, what he did in Seattle, getting to the majors pretty much yeah. instantly. What yeah. he did it with what he did with Seattle, what he did in Texas, what he does in New York, and you can whine about some of his struggles in New York all you want. But he voluntarily is like, yeah, you got Derek Jeter. I'll go and play third. That's fine. Yep. And he did that at a gold glove level. Yeah, it's uh, he, well, again, here's the I'm not disagreeing with Alex Rodriguez, the player. It's just I don't like Alex Rodriguez, the human. <laughs> that's fine. So that, that that's that's where I'm like, oh, I don't disagree with you. I just adamantly can't stand him as a human being, though. So. Yeah, not a bad pick. I, I mean, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. That you, you can't deny how much money he's made over his career and how, frankly, successful he was. He was just a very successful player throughout the vast majority of his career. So, yep, I'll, I'll give you that one. Crud, that means I need a shortstop. <laughs> Who do I want as a shortstop? Okay, I'm ready. Actually, hold on. I'm not right. I need like a, I need like a fifth of whiskey before I make this pick. Oh, um, God. 
Derek Jeter. Yeah. Oh, God, that hurts my soul. Hurts my soul, man. I mean, was, I can't, was there any I can't doubt? stand the Yankees. I can't stand the Yankees. But, my God, Derek Jeter was just so steadily good. Like, I mean, I was thinking, like, no more Garcia Parra, maybe Miguel Tejada. Um, look, look that's at some that's of the a name I haven't thought about in a while. Yeah, that, thinking about some of the players that are in the modern era for guys like Frankie Lindor and like Trey, Trey Turner. Um, but at the end of the day, most of those players, with the exception of the two modern guys I just mentioned, ha- were kind of flashes in the pan. Tejada was great for like a four or five year run and then came back to earth hard. Garcia Parra was steady. I mean, he's definitely one of the more steady players in Boston history, but he kind of came back to earth. Whereas Derek Jeter was just Derek Jeter his entire career. And by the same, he finished his career with a walk-off to end the the last regular season game at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. It's, you can't write a better script than that. So I'm going Derek Jeter. I'm going to need a shower after this podcast because I drafted a New York Yankee, but yes, Derek Jeter as my shortstop. Yeah. I mean, you can't, it's, he's, he's almost in the Chipper Jones category because yeah, he was always good, but he was never really always the star star. As far as the actual play was considered, he was obviously a good player, but those Yankee teams, I mean, between him and Posada and Pettit and all those pitchers they had in Rivera. I mean, he was a part of a lot of really good teams. Well, he was, and I'll say this much. I would actually argue that Jeter, he may not have been advertised as much by the Yankees because they were always trying to advertise their latest and greatest free agent signing. But Major League Baseball loved him. I, I oh, mean, yeah. he was practically the face of the league for well, like seven, eight years. How do you think he ends up being a part of an ownership group in Miami? Exactly. It's it wasn't because they offered the most money. No, it was not. It was because Major League Baseball they, was like, ooh, Derek they, Jeter. They did offer a lot of money, one point two billion F U, according to David Sampson, their former president, but you know. You know, Dave, for the record, before we get to your next pick. Yes. Can we both agree as baseball fans that David Sampson belongs in the same conversation as Art Bryles of when you go to hell? You can say hi to Art Bryles and you can say hi to David Sampson as well i will not go that far can we agree he's one of the worst owners in the history of baseball well, he wasn't an owner he was a president well he I, he was the one that kept gutting the marlins wasn't he? he was no he was a part of one of the guttings of the marlins the ownership switched in between those two world series well i know the ownership switched i mean 97 it wasn't the same ownership team as it was in 2003 correct that was but, that was the one Samson was a part of. Was the 2003 one, right? Yes. Yeah, that's that's what I was talking about. It's where the Marlins were like every two years, wow, great new player. Guarantee he's traded. And then they trade him for like, kind of like how the Cleveland cash considerations do nowadays where we trade our superstars for like $5 coupons to Subway and a utility infielder type of thing. So yeah, he... He wasn't, I will not say he's one of the greatest GMs because team presidents, GMs, whatever the role is, because that's definitely not true. But 
with the position he was in with the Marlins, that's kind of what had to happen. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll counter that with this. It didn't have to happen. I, I will, I will stand on this hill and die nobly on this hill every time. There is no reason any team in Major League Baseball should be a small ball system. There is no salary cap. There is no limit to what you can or can't spend on a team. You use the each team is run independently from the league. Teams make their own budgets. It's a, just as simple as that. Uh, so when I hear people say, oh, we, we're doing the best with what we have to work with, you're clearly not because you can change what you have to work with. You were in Miami, Florida as the Florida Marlins. You were able to invest in a billion-dollar stadium. You spent money on aquariums behind the catcher's mound and home plate along your baselines to be like, oh, look, we're fancy and cool. But oh that's, no, that's being owned by someone who was a famous art dealer. And then it's oh no, well we can't really afford uh, Giancarlo Stanton, so we're just gonna have to trade him away, I suppose. They would have, they would have basically gone bankrupt if they didn't trade him. They wouldn't have had to go. The, again, I stand that like we could get into this debate at another time because I know we got some more picks we still need to do, but. I am a firm proponent and will stand by the statement. No team has to be a small ball team in major league baseball. You get to choose as an ownership, as a management team, how much money you spend. And when these owners are making almost North of a billion dollars annually from these teams, and then you have a payroll of only $38 million. I'm looking at you Dolan's and the cash considerations. You have no excuse. You just have no excuse. So we'll, we'll get into that at another time because that's definitely we, – we, we could go we could go round for round on that one. I have very strong beliefs on small ball. But, but by the same token, yeah, game back to my pick. Derek Jeter kills me to say it, but he, he's my pick. With my next pick – He was a part of some of those Yankee teams as well in his younger days before moving on to the likes of the Cubs and the Nationals along with the Rangers, if I'm remembering his stops correctly, even though I think I did them out of order. I will be putting him at his unnatural position that he moved to eventually in his career at second base. I will go with the man who is a part of the 40-40 club in Alfonso Soriano. Ooh, okay. Deep cut, huh? That that is that's a very deep cut. So you're, uh, I'm, and I'm sorry, you're throwing him at what position? He will play second. Okay. Yeah, you know what? I could see that. That that's not bad. That's not bad. That that is a deep cut. That's a very deep cut. Though, but I say, I mean, thinking about it though, in our era, I mean, besides Soriano. Robbie Alomar, who's now just a whole other can of worms about crap going on in his life, and right. turns out he's kind of a horrible human being. Um, and, and like Bishio, were there really that many good second basemen that we've seen come through? 
over the last like 15, 20 years. It seems like that's kind of been a down position in baseball. I mean, the other the, the other names I had at second base were Robbie Alomar, who you mentioned with yeah. his off the field stuff, we'll say. Yeah, just it's like I, I don't even <laughs> want I don't want to touch him with a ten foot pole kind yeah. of thing. Um and along with him you have uh, the guys, at least that I had written down, Robinson Cano, Chase Utley, and Jeff Kent. Okay, and, and I mean, and, I would probably and Biggio, I'd, and Biggio too. And I'd probably throw Carlos Baerga into that mix as well for the at least as part of the discussion at those. But still, even for that, I mean, God, we could go through a laundry list of shortstops and third basemen, of outfielders, of first basemen, and se- second base. It's like okay, we have six out of the entire 20 plus years we've been on this planet it's for you 30 plus for me um okay for well, not a bad pick for soriano he hit in his career he hit 270 412 home runs i mean he split his time obviously he really Yanke- got to 412 412 yeah he was with the yankees the rangers the nationals for just one year then yeah. the Cubs, and then went back to New York for his last two years. Wow, I was not aware that he got past 400. Yeah. Good for him. He was a good player. He was fun to watch. I, I liked Alfonso Soriano. Well, all right. I know where I got to go with my next pick. I'm ready. Hit me. All right, with my next pick. Team Matt selects Pudge Rodriguez, catcher. I mean, you're not going to hear arguments from me about him as a Tiger fan. So it was between him, Victor Martinez, and uh, oh, God, I'm trying to play uh, Paul Molitor and Joe Maurer were, were, my, were my top four for catcher i mean he was he was he was awesome with the tigers he, he, he was, was just so was much great. fun to watch such a good helped player. helped another another marlins connection he helped that 03 marlins team make make their run in the postseason he was, did was was good with the rangers before that as well and, and and what's the fun useless fact from that marlins trade do you remember who he got traded for he was traded to the Marlins? He was. Texas Rangers traded him to the Marlins. Oh, I don't know. Because do, do, seven do, days earlier, Mike Piazza was traded to the Marlins. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. It was Mike Piazza for Yvonne Rodriguez, almost player-for-player player swap, because Piazza spent a couple years in Texas after the Mets shipped him off, but they they shipped him off, and he got shipped again for Yvonne Rodriguez. And then the Marlins went on to win the World Series in 2003. That, that, that's one of those just most improbable World Series runs out there. That, that 03 Marlins team. Oh, that 03 Marlins team was filthy. Oh, it was filthy. It was incredible. Like, you look back on it now, and it was just disgustingly loaded with talent. I'm talking in the moment, in 2003. We, we're all like, Okay, who are these guys? <laughs> I mean, you, I just pulled up who they had on their team. I mean, they had Pudge. They have yeah. Derek Lee at first, Luis Castillo, who was 
I, that I think was that the year he was hitting like 35 games in a row was trying to was on like the DiMaggio stretch for a minute. Yeah, that 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 was Castillo's 35. Then they have Mike Lowell, who was a really good third baseman. He was pretty good. Alex Gonzalez, who was a really good defensive shortstop. Yep. Todd Hollinsworth, he was okay. Juan yeah. Pierre in center field. Wow. Juan Encarnacion in right field. And Miguel Cabrera was one of their guys off the bench. And their rotation is ridiculous. Carl Pavano, Brad Penny, Dontrell Willis, Josh Beckett, A.J. Burnett. All of those guys had at least solid careers, if not great careers. Oh, yeah. No, it's uh, and again, you, you remember that Marlins team because they were fairly young at the time. Yeah. But you, you look back on it now and it's like, sweet God, this is one of the best teams baseball's ever put together. And, and you think of like, how did they afford to bring all those guys in? It's like they drafted most of those guys. They drafted most of those guys. They make the move to, they made, they, they make made the, the move, move for to Pudge. Get, they make the move for Pudge. They get Jack McKeon as well. I think yep. in that season, either in that uh, season or right before the season started, right before the season started, because they did have, um, they, I think Jim Leland was still there and he retired kind of out of the blue no, i think i think up. it was this i think it was in the season because it has both jeff torborg and jack mckeon listed oh so that it was mckeon came in part way through oh that's right torborg came in after yeah because it talks it talks about some of the moves they make uh hollinsworth is a free agent pudge was a free agent signing i thought he got hold on i thought they treated you must be him. misremembering something i need to look up the mike piazza trick because i i I could have sworn they sw- he got swapped. He would have it would have been the Dodgers. Well, Do- that's right. Okay, like, yep. That's well, who won Mike Piazza Piazza trade Mets Marlins. So I mean that. Look at that article. See what that tells. Why me. Why did the Marlins? Oh, it went down when he was when he was young. Yeah. So he was on the Marlins, but he was young. He saw the Mets receive Piazza from the Marlins for Preston Wilson, Ed Yarnall, and Jeff Getz, and I don't know who any of those players are. Well, Preston Wilson, God, he was, like, for a good three-year run there, he was a crazy power hitter. He he was that outfielder, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, that's... God, how am I misremembering that so bad? <laughs> It happens. Maybe it's because they were so. Were they close to get? No, that was even in 98. God, wow. Okay. Well, my apologies on that one. <laughs> Total, totally biffed on that. But yeah, I, I mean, I still stand by my Pudge Rodriguez pick. But <laughs> So now with my next pick. Might as well go Mike Piazza. <laughs> you know, I I want I wanted to go Mike Piazza. I did. But this guy. Oh God. Not I reminded a, you of somebody. Not a guy I'm not a guy I'm a fan of. But you can't deny how great he was. And I think that's starting to become a theme is I recognize how great some of these guys were that were not on my favorite teams. And it's a guy you mentioned before, Joe Maurer. Maurer was very good. I mean, he he was such a good player. And I mean, hats off to the 
Minnesota Twins. You replace Paul Molitor with Joe Bauer as a catcher. I mean, both are both are going to most likely end up in Cooperstown by the time it's all said and done. But yeah, Maurer, he's a he's a great pick. He's such a good player, very talented. Useless fact about Paul Molitor: I did get his autograph when I was a younger kid at a Cleveland Indians game. It was the Indians versus the Twins. We had good seats on the visitors' dugout side. And my brother and I run down with our program in baseball that we had with us and just kind of stuck it out. And unbeknownst to us, Paul Molitor walks past, grabs both it, grabs my program in baseball, my brother's program in baseball, signs both of them for us and just keeps going. And we go running up. My dad's like, who'd you get? Who'd you get? We show him the name. And he was like, oh, my God, do you know who that is? <laughs> and I'm like, no, because we're like 10. <laughs> I'm like, no, who is it? That's Paul Molitor, like the best catcher in baseball. Like, oh, okay. So do you think Cleveland's going to win today? (laughs) Like 20 plus years later, it's like, oh my God, I met Paul Molitor and had that kind of same reaction meeting Joe Maurer when I was many, many moons ago back working with the Cleveland sports radio. But um, yeah, Joe Maurer, he's such a good player, such a talented hitter. Good, 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 solid pick there. Very solid pick. All right. I'm ready to close out my infield so I can get into the pitching. Hit me. I'm I'm so happy you chose first base early because I could pick other players. I thought I was going to have to reach and take this guy early. With this pick. Team Matt gets to select his favorite player in the history of baseball. Another member of the Killer Bees, Jeff Bagpipes Bagwell, first base. Jeff Bagwell is your favorite player? Uh, Dude, Jeff Bagwell, he's not just cool. He's like epic cool. Between the ZZ top goatee, the crazy stance, playing first base, which is the position I played growing up. It, it, Jeff Bagwell was so ridiculously like if we could find a way to get Jeff Bagwell on this program and on this podcast, I could die a happy man. He was so good, so talented, so deserving of a hall of fame spot. I know there was a few people that raised some eyebrows when he got in, but you look at his stat line, one of the most consistent hitters in the history of baseball. And especially at the first base position, probably one of the five most consistent hitters for both power and average in the history of the MLB. And he's one of the few people that's part of the 30, 30, 30 club and the 40, 40, 40 club. It's it, he's just an incredibly talented player, and yes, he he is my all time favorite player. I there is no one else at the top. I have other players I like watching. Jeff Bagwell is probably the only guy to this day I would still go out and buy a jersey for, though. It's my next pick. I will get a jump on you since I stonied a an outfielder and you've already completed your outfield. I'm going to go ahead and just take the first starting pitcher. Oh, okay. 
And also, I've decided we'll only do two relievers because otherwise we'll be here until tomorrow. Is that really a bad thing, though? I mean, we it's been a 10-day break between shows. Well, point, point still being. My first pick for my pitching, for my starters, I will go with one of the better names, at least as far as baseball you can get, the big unit, Randy Johnson. Oh, God, I despise your soul. I wanted Randy Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> really wanted Randy Johnson. Oh, man. Okay. I mean, you, as far as, aside from the, how good he actually was. He blew up a bird with his fastball. That we talked, we talked about that on the morning show the other day. But aside from that, just how imposing he was as a oh, giant on the mound. Oh, uh, he's like one third Sasquatch at like six, seven had the crazy. I think, I think he was hair. bigger than that. He might've been at, he might've been almost seven feet. I think he was like six, 10 or something. Yeah. He, he was, I mean, he was huge. He was just a massive human being. And just yeah, with the he long was, he was hair, 6'10". the long hair, he was the mustache, right? He was the handlebars. Yeah, right? he, 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 no, just a mustache. Just the mustache? Mustache with like a soul, a soul patch. And, and the fact that he could whip it at like 100 plus miles an hour. Back when no, pretty much nobody could at that time. Oh, man. The big, he, he, how did that Mariners team not win a World Series? Oh, man, it's, it's criminal. It really is. I mean, Ken Griffey Jr., Alex Rodriguez, we're not even mentioning Jay Buhner, Edgar Martinez, Randy Johnson. Just how did that team not win a World Series? God. That there's a what if for you. Cause I, I gotta imagine if they would have won like any time between ninety-three and ninety-six, they don't blow that thing up. Yeah. And they keep the team as oh man. And then could you imagine them adding Etro into that mix as well? Yeah. Wow. Good God. Midley, that Seattle team was pretty cool. I, I, I have a <laughs> Mariners hat somewhere in this house from that era. But good pick. I'm mad at you for that pick, but good pick. <laughs> That's why I took him first. God. I need to think for a second. Hold on. All right. So I got my whole like field. Yes. So. I'm good on that. You know what? I'm I'm definitely going to go pitcher here. I'm ready. You don't have a choice, but. I mean, I could go manager. It's true. That'd be dumb. That'd be dumb. Yes. It'd be really dumb. I know I'm dumb. I'm not that dumb. But <laughs> with my next pick, Team Matt selects the Sandman himself, Mariano Rivera. Damn it. Yeah, yeah, welcome to the show, okay? <laughs> I'll trade you Rivera for Randy Johnson. If Absol you really absolutely will. not. Because <laughs> with Randy Johnson, he'll just go the complete game, so it's fine. What? Did, Randy Johnson did do some complete games, didn't he? Well, he, had, he had a perfect game. And he's, I was like, he had the perfect game. Is I knew he had the perfect game. And that was with um, Diamondbacks, wasn't it? Yep, it was. Good God, how many perfect games do the Diamondbacks have in their resume? I don't know. Because they had that other, like that out-of-nowhere guy get one a couple years back. They've had a couple no-hitters, and then Randy Johnson with a perfect game. So, But anyway, back to my pick. 
if I have a one run lead in the eighth inning, I I win. It's as simple as that. <laughs> I have Mariano Rivera. Yeah, I, as I, I, dominant I have, of a closer there has ever been. I have no notes. Yeah, it's like there the, there are no notes. The 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 man redefined the closer position in Major League Baseball. My next pick. Go for it. I don't know if you were going to take him, but I'm just going to take him just in case because I obviously grew up with this guy on my team and he's got some no hitters and some good accolades to his name already. Justin Berlander. I'll tell you what, I actually did not plan on taking him. He's a I great. Just, I just didn't want you to do to me what I did to you with Joe Thomas. So, how dare you bring that back up? How dare you bring? We're having fun. I haven't criticized any of your picks too harshly. You haven't done that to me, and you bring Joe Thomas's <laughs> name and how dare you, sir? How dare you? I am hurt. I am hurt that you name dropped that. <laughs> oh, we've been having fun too. Fine. I'm ready for my next picture. Now I'm just mad at you. <laughs> Team Matt selects this generation's Sandy Koufax, Clayton Kershaw. Good. Good, good as in good you didn't want him, or good as in he's just a amazing pitcher, and that's a good pick. Do it in the postseason. How about that? How's that sound? I'll give you postseason, but you know what? He even kind of got that monkey off his back too. Finally, he it's he's he's finally done better in the postseason. I'd also argue that they've beaten him to death during the regular season for so many years. It's no surprise that he would struggle in the postseason at different times, but that's not important. My next pick. I will go with another guy that stayed in the limelight a little bit, although he's just a studio analyst for the most part, but he was absolutely electric when he was on the mound. And now we'll go with one, Pedro Martinez. Pedro was very, very good. He he definitely, definitely one of those guys. Definitely is one of those guys that you just, in any way, shape, or form, you look at it's like you are just a incredibly competitive player incredibly talented player. So I'll give you that. That That's a good one. Um, I'm looking right now. Got to think a little bit. Um. Okay. I, I have my next guy. With my next pick, possibly a controversial pick in some regards, but I'm going to go with it. I am selecting rest in peace, Roy Halladay. If you didn't take him, I was about to. So really you. Okay. So you had him 
up on that list as well. Dude was dude was awesome. He, he was just incredible. Just absolutely. I mean, you look at his stat line over the course of his career. Uh, you could make an argument that he was the best pitcher of the early 2000s. And you could make an equally compelling argument, even though his career ended, I think, in 2015. That he was the best pitcher of the 2010s as well. I mean, he was just ungodly lights out. Yeah, he's he was he was awesome. And that's with and that's kind of despite all the other stuff you learn later with what he's yeah, what he ends up going through and all that different things. I, I I mean you 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 had Alex Rodriguez, you had Barry Bonds. There are some players that I've had on the Ross on my team that I've added where it's like they had question marks and uh, frankly are just questionable personalities off the field as well. It's and, and we've actively avoided some because of that. He he's one of those guys where it's just like you you have to be able to separate the two things with Roy Halladay. That that that's how I view it with him. So in terms of on the field, he's easily one of the five best pitchers in major league baseball over the last 20 plus years. I think he's got a kid that's going to be coming up here in the next few years too. And I'm sure the Toronto blue Jays are going to draft him. (laughs) (laughs) Toronto blue Jays are going to be, take your kid to the ballpark day for their roster to scout as opposed to, you know, nice family environment. Good Lord. And somehow we had went this long without somebody taking one of those aces from the Braves. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. I'm going to take Greg Maddox. Not bad. Solid pick. Solid choice. Um, he, he was he was either going to be my next pick or I was hoping you were going to sit on him a little bit longer and I'd have a little bit more time. But yeah, Greg Maddox is a solid, solid choice. I'm going to counter right away. I'm already ready to go. Hit me. There is a decent possibility that he is a little at this is not to be like, yeah, because I'm older than you, that he's a tiny bit before your time of you really getting down to baseball. My next pitcher I'm taking David Cohn. I mean, David Cohn, he, he was good too. It really, I, I mean, you, you, you look at how he pitched. I mean, he was right in there all the time in the discussion with Greg Maddox, with Randy Johnson, with some other players that I'm not going to name because I don't want to give you any ideas for your next two pitchers that you have to take. I already know exactly who my last picks are all going to be, so. Oh, well, woo, well. Yeah. <laughs> Please, by all means, enlighten us. Oh, no, no problem. Rounding out my rotation is probably not the absolute best guy I could have taken, but he's a very, very good pitcher. And we talk about him whenever we talk about the pace of a game. I will go with lefty from the Chicago White Sox, Mark Burley. We do talk about him a lot whenever we talk about (laughs) the pace of a game. Pretty sure he's the reason most of the pacing rules have been created in Major League Baseball as of late. <laughs> but not a bad pick. He's good. 
he he is a pretty solid one. And we're just are we doing four or five pitchers? Five starters and two five relievers. Star- okay, so I have three starters right now and one reliever, correct? Correct. Okay. Well, then I'm going to go with my fourth starter. So go ahead and hit me. With my next pick, Team Matt selects CeCe Sabathia. And good useless fact, I actually got to see his first ever big league start. Look at you. Like, I, I, this is not a, oh, I was there for so-and-so's perfect game. It's not that I genuinely actually saw his first start with the Cleveland Indians. Because I remember, and I can't laugh, I remember being so upset because I thought Bartolo Colon was pitching that day. <laughs> and he wasn't. So I was like, oh, man, who's this new CC Sabat? Who's this? And he throws like 12 strikeouts in his first game. It's like, oh, never mind. Forget Cologne. This guy's great. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, I, I mean, in his pro, he was so good. And the, the swagger that he had as a pitcher, I mean, the hat tilted a little to the side, the jersey being a little baggier. I mean, admittedly, when he went to New York, he started filling out that jersey a lot more. <laughs> but <laughs> he's such a good player, such a good pitcher. For my next pick. I will go with another Hall of Fame closer. I will go Trevor Hoffman. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, Hoffman was incredible as well. I, I, I mean, we, you and I as baseball fans, we were really spoiled with the level of closers that we had have had in our lives already. I mean, yeah, there were some great ones back in the day too, like a Dennis Eckersley and some of the other people that have been out there over the years that converted into good closers. But we, we had Mariano Rivera and Trevor Hoffman. And in between that, just some absolute greats like Eric Gagne, Brian Wilson, um, Billy Wagner, it's just such incredible closers, but I need to round out. I need to round out my starting pitching. I need, I need to get my fifth. So go ahead and hit me. And I too shall now dip into the Atlanta Braves pool. And I will select Mr. Tom Glavin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, having that one-two punch—that's that's just stupid. Well, let's, let's just call having that one-two-three punch because then John Smoltz was their number three. Yeah, I—I I mean that 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 goes into the what-if category as well as how in the name of Mike did the Atlanta Braves only win one World Series during that era? Yeah, you know what ifs. I know what ifs quite well. The Tigers had Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer and Rick yep. Porcello, who went on to then win a Cy Young himself. Yep. So yeah, all three of them have, all three have won Cy Youngs. That's, yeah. and don't forget, you also had David Price as part of that era too. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. You're welcome. Happy to do it. I'm a Cleveland fan, man. We got we we 
thrive in the suffering that we create for ourselves. But anyway, I believe it's your turn. It is. For my other reliever, and you can argue his uh, off off the field stuff all you want, but you get him on the mound. Good luck hitting him, and I will go with Araldis Chapman. Okay, not too shabby. Can throw uh, can throw over one hundred often. Like just good luck. He can. He absolutely can. Here's my thing, though. Like, I, I don't disagree with it. Uh, he he is a good pick, and he's been a steady closer. The, the only critique I have with Araldus Chapman, you are getting exactly three batters out of him. Yeah, that's all As, I need. But here's the thing. If even one person gets a hit, it goes off the tracks. So I... For for me, I, I definitely can see the pick. And considering the fact you got Trevor Hoffman, this is a luxury pick anyway, type of thing. Um uh, my my only thing with Aroldis Chapman is if he gives up a single hit, you are immediately in deep trouble, as opposed to being able to work a counter. I think like he has exactly two two things. I'm shutting you down one, two, three, or I'm blowing the save. <laughs> it doesn't seem like there's much middle with Aroldis Chapman, but not a bad pick. Now makes me very comfortable that, so let's see here. I have Glavin. You have, you have, you have a closer and a manager. I, I still have a, just a closer and manager that I need to do. Yes. All right. Well then closer. I'm, I'm ready. Go ahead and hit me. No, no brainer. I just mentioned him a couple times. It's absolutely going to be John Smoltz. Like, I, I don't even need to think twice about that. He, uh, he's a great long reliever if I need him or throw him out as a closer. His couple years as a closer, he had, like, 40-plus saves two years in a row. So, yeah, John Smoltz, very happy with that one. Yeah, not much uh, not much of a, of a debate there for me. So now my last fielding pick Was able to sit on this one for a while because of how quickly you filled out your outfield. And I watched this guy in person a handful of times, and he was a part of some really good teams over his career and sometimes didn't quite get his just due. And there's probably better overall players that you can pick, but for for our, for the era I've watched, not a whole lot of outfielders were better than Carlos Beltran. Oh, that's that's a good one. I'm not going to disagree with that. I, I think Beltron. Uh, I'll say this. I really hope the garbage can nonsense from Houston. I really hope that doesn't take away from the fact that he is absolutely a Hall of Fame player. And I mean, my my God, you can talk about when he was there as a player in Houston that postseason he had what nine home runs yeah. by the time they got to the World Series. Yeah. I mean, he's the sole reason they made the World Series against Chicago. That he was so good. And he was good in Kansas City. He was good in Houston. He was good 
he's he's just been good every place he's been to. So I will That's... I will one thousand percent agree with you. An extremely underrated player in Carlos Beltran. You know who your manager is? Lou Brown from Major League, but I know that's not the answer I can go with, so I've got to think about it a little bit. Um, I, mean, I could say Oscar the Grouch because you know he was in a garbage can and he did win a World Series with the Houston Astros, but... All right, here we go. I got it. I am, I'm going to go chalk and be a homer. I'm going Tito Francona. I figured you would. It's, he's, he's been good with Boston and with Cleveland, man. It's, he's just an incredibly good manager. I'm going to go homer for me too. Helped, uh, help lead us to some world series appearances. Jim Leland. Yeah, I, I knew you were going to go Leland. <laughs> I didn't even need to think twice. It's like, oh man, I, I get so many to choose from because I absolutely know Lance is going to go with Jim Leland as a Tigers fan. There, there's no way he's not. So, okay. These are some good teams. You know what? I'm almost tempted to say we should do the NFL one again in the future <laughs> of just the modern players because we had a lot of modern guys on our list. Oh, we did, but I was a homer and went with a lot of older people too. Yeah. So, but either way, the, the, God, we, we've actually lived in a pretty good era of baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking we have. about like that actually a pretty good overall era of baseball. And that's just to call it as it is. You and I really only picked maybe like two or three players that conceivably could have been part of the steroid. Stuff. I mean, Barry Bonds, obvious kind of one. Jim Tomey. Rod, Bonds. Uh, at least for me, A Rod and Bonds were the two. A Rod Bonds, and then for you me, have, Jim Tomey, to- David Ortiz, and I mean, Bagwell was always considered Pud, part Pud, of Pud, it. Pudge should, Pud should be in there too. Pudge could be in on that discussion as well. But uh, besides Barry Bonds and Alex Rodriguez, everybody else on that list was up. Uh, only confirmed by the Mitchell report, not actually confirmed type of thing. So I'll say this much, even with that, like specter hanging over baseball, there were some great players in the nineties and two thousands. Yeah. I mean, my God, so many good players. It's uh, hopefully the listeners out there take this as a, yeah, I know baseball is not really what it used to be, in terms of like attendance or in terms of popularity or anything like that, but let's not diminish it here. We've seen some great players come through this game in the last 20 years. And God, there's just a whole new slate of incredibly talented players out there. I mean, we, we do this thing 10 years from now. Where's Ronald Acuna on the list? Where's Juan Soto, Bryce Harper, um, JT Realmuto, um, Buster Posey. It's, you could just go through a laundry list of great players. Byron Buxton, Mookie Betts, and it's uh, ba- baseball never seems to run out of stars. Of course, please rate, subscribe, review us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And of course, check out our websites, both WFOB and WBVI.com, for more great information, as well as all the other stuff Matt and I do and all the other stuff we have going on at the stations. That'll do it for this edition of 
of the show. Thank you for listening to our coverage of the NBA, the postseason starting here tonight with the play-in games and then throughout the series as well. And then, of course, our MLB Ultimate Fantasy Modern Drafts for Matt and myself, and we'll, of course, have more of that down the line. So thank you once again for listening, and we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks so much. Have a great rest of your day.